0: CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach that takes on each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills to provide creative solutions for their clients. Based right here in Western New York, CTBK is a champion for your business and our community. Additionally, CTBK goes beyond tax and attest services by offering a wide array of consulting and outsource solutions tailored to meet the unique needs of your business allowing you to focus on your operational and long-term strategic goals. Whether you're a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, the team at CTBK is determined to help you succeed. Visit ctbk.com or call 716-630-2400. 716-630-2400 to learn how CTBK's one-team approach can work for you. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with my usual co-host, Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. And we're joined by somebody who's had a rather interesting week, uh, Tim Schmidt. He's the managing editor of Golf Week, and uh, he's also of the USA Today Network, formerly of the Tonawanda News and the Niagara Gazette. He's a Western New Yorker who I happened to meet one of my very first nights out in Western New York when I moved here in 2000 at a place that no longer exists in the town of Tonawanda called the Montrose. Uh, we used to do some damage there. Uh, but Tim, uh, it's a big week for you because uh, Golf Week and the USA Today Network uh, had some really big news uh, on Tuesday. Uh, you had a project that that was... Uh, that people have been waiting for and has been the the buzz, really. It's always the buzz. So
1: After that, I want to get back to Rock Eisenberg at the Montrose. But we'll look to that in a little bit. That's how Um, I got
0: there. Yeah, I know. I I would not have known about it otherwise.
1: (laughs) But yeah, so each year, Golf Week, which is part of USA Today and the USA Today Network, releases its big, colossal list of all of the best golf courses that you can play in each state. So, for example, in some states, there's 20. When you get to Alaska, we only have five. But it's this massive list that it takes us all year to put together. We have, you know, hundreds of man hours put into this thing. Well, we have – I should start with this. We have 1,000 golf week raiders, that that's what they are part of our program. They go out and play different golf courses all around the country. And about a month ago, I decided that Tuesday of this week, before the U.S. Open – and a little bit of a lull in the schedule, no, no knock on our Canadian Open friends, that this would be the Tuesday that we would launch this thing. And man, there won't be anything going on in golf, and it's going to go bonkers, right? And I swear to God, within an hour of putting that list up, we get news that Live Golf and the PGA Tour have gone through a merger of sorts. And of course, the numbers have just gone like down into the dumper farming. So yeah, I'd love to talk about the uh, the... The Live golf PGA tour merger and all the fun around that. But if you have time, people, for the love of God, go to golf week and click on our best golf courses you can play by state list and help a kid from Tanawanda High School out for a bit. Wait, how many Tonawanda of High
0: School? I did go to Tanawanda High School, yeah. Wasn't wait a minute. All right, help me out here. This is me. My ignorance is a non local. Is there the city it's i mean what about ken east ken yeah. west i thought no no
1: there's city of tonawanda high school it's over by like old man river
0: kind of behind there. oh okay you went to city of tonawanda high yeah okay yeah. all right yeah yeah so city of tonawanda kid helped me out for crying out loud you know what uh western new york courses made the list and just tease it. Don't give all the, because you want people to go click on it. Well, there's but... only one course from, there's only one
1: course from Western New York that made the list, I will tell you. And it's not in County, it's in Mac County.
0: Hmm. Okay. There you go. Well, that's that was a good pro-teaser. tease. Everybody go check yeah. it out. Uh, yeah, help the man out. He's had a rough week. And he's making time to come on uh, Tim Graham and Friends. Um, what, can be made heads or tails of this merger. A lot is not known, but I guess, uh, uh, how about this, Tim? Beyond your initial MFing of the timing, what was your reaction uh, to this even happening?
1: So I'll tell you a second pretty decent story about the timing of the whole thing. On a monthly basis, I have a call with folks from the PGA Tour Communications Department. And it's simply to talk about, you know, storylines for upcoming tournaments. Um, it's their one avenue to kind of give us feedback. I mean, we don't have any, we're not beholden to them by any stretch, but I do have folks from Punta Vedra Beach, Florida that sit on a conference call with a couple of my writers and I, and we talk about, hey, the Canadian Open's coming and just so you know, it's probably the best chance for a Canadian to win since you know such and such wanted in the 60s. And we talked through a bunch of storylines. And as I was getting off of this call with, I'd say four or maybe five PGA Tour Communications folks, all senior people who've been there for decades, they know everyone on site, they've moved their families to Ponte Vedra Beach, they're, they're in this. This email pops up saying, that the Tour and Live Golf have gone through this New Deal uh, merger of sorts. And when I brought it up to these folks, I'm telling you, unless they have the greatest poker faces I've ever seen, not one of them knew it. So the crazy part is, I mean, imagine the Buffalo Bills announcing something and none of the front office knows about this or none of the PR people, none of the people involved in this, none of the Pagula sports folks have any idea about it except at the very top. That's unheard of. That's not how sports works. So what that shows me is this really was a handful of people that purposely didn't want other people included in the conversation. And to be honest with you, from vetting it out a little, from talking to folks on all sides... I mean, it really comes down to dollar figures. As sad as this is, it doesn't sound principled any longer. It doesn't sound like it's something that was thought out about legacy and a lot of the things that the PGA Tour had kind of been feeding players to stay with them. It sounds like it became a negotiation of sorts over just straight money. And at the end of all this, it's it's really kind of deflating for me personally, because it's been such a uh uh, you know a battle i'm very much a centrist in my life in terms of politics matter of fact i used to have a radio show up in niger county that was basically called called stuck in the middle with tim schmidt i I really am a centrist but to watch the the politicizing of this whole thing live is very much a right-wing thing the pga tour has stayed very much a left-wing thing to see the way that this has kind of taken two sides and brought issues about far bigger things than golf and all of a sudden to just bring it down to dollars and cents is really kind of sad for me after following this for 2
0: years now. It's a lot of wasted energy and you mentioned uh you know obviously you're the managing editor and uh, that means that you have editorial control over your product uh, or at least a uh, heavy influence but you don't write columns uh, but you do have people on your staff who have put their opinions out there and you're constantly interviewing people on this topic. And it seems like, well, what a waste, It's almost a, a betrayal of your time and commitment, uh, regardless of what you, whether you're on one side or the other. But just kind of like, well, what were we all just going through the motions here? or we were we all being played? is, is actually a, a legitimate story angle that's happened over the last couple of days as, p- as people try to digest uh, what's transpired, uh, was it all for show? Um, and and it just, it just makes you sit back and, and think, you know, what, what a waste.
1: You know, I look at someone like Rory McIlroy. Okay. He has become such a staunch defender of the PGA tour or Tiger Woods who apparently found out about it either the night before or the morning of the merger. You know, I, I'm, uh, what they did to kind of uphold this, you know, sacred PGA Tour, and, and, you know, we can go back and forth on that too. Is there really any, uh, when we look at professional sports, is it all just window dressing anyway? You know what I mean? The history, the pageantry, it, a lot of it's just, it's a lot of it's for show anyway. So, uh, but the fact that these guys did step up, you say, oh, well, they must be the ones hurting through all this. Well, no offense, but Tiger Woods and Rory McElroy aren't hurting no matter what. It, what In my eyes, it's these mid-level players who maybe miss their one opportunity at a huge cash grab that have to be the ones that are really seething about this thing. Rory McElroy is going to live a very, very comfortable life no matter what happens. But if I'm the number 75 player in the world or the number 120 player in the world, and they offered me 12 $15, 20000000 million, and I had the belief in myself that I could you know, stick this through, be a PGA Tour player, be someone who could be, uh, you know, win one or two tournaments a year, which in this day and age is all you need to do to live very comfortably. You know, that's putting a lot of faith in myself and also believing in the system that you're you're putting in front of me. If this whole thing changes now, and a lot of these live players are back in the mix for tournaments or other things are put together where we have live players playing PGA Tour players and there aren't as many opportunities for me as that mid-level player, Man, am I pissed off! Honestly, I am a very angry person at this point, and so when I look at it like that, I'm not worried about the guys at the top. I'm very worried about those guys who really this maybe
0: was their one chance. And there's another layer beyond this. I'm sorry, Joan. I just wanted to make this point because I think it is really relies heavily on what Tim just said. That's the, all the business stuff of it too. There's also the layer of God and country, uh, which was a very big part of this discussion. And again. That, not to pick a side, uh, but there is belief of I don't want to be involved in something that's backed by uh, the Saudi government. And you can take a, a deep dive into what what that money has funded in the past and Jamal Khashoggi and 9-11 and all these other things. And you can say, I can't in good conscience as an American uh, or as somebody, a Christian, I don't know, whatever. the, But it wasn't just I believe in the PGA. It went a lot deeper than that. And those people who stood up for their principles now are at a situation where they're forced. Perhaps we don't really know how this is all going to shake out on the 72 versus the 54 and all that stuff. And, you know, whether who's going to play where and the team, and maybe you play both, maybe you seamlessly go back and forth. I don't know. But those players, too, have to feel uh, like they have been compromised.
1: But But like you said before, what what was this for i mean what we did was rile a bunch of feathers up here for nothing we got people to talk about topics and angles and pieces around this that you know we all felt we were taking a stand of some sort about and at the end of it it really comes down to now it feels hypocritical that anything that the PGHR folks said was about legacy and and upholding those standards and because As soon as the dollar amount got high enough or as soon as they got to a point where they felt they should be part of this, they switched sides. So, I mean, the fact that it it not only did it did it stir this whole thing, cause this whole fight, but the complete meaningless piece of this, you know, imagine Donald Trump at the end of uh, four years of another presidency turning because he can't ever win again and saying, you know what, I was just kidding. I'm a Democrat (laughs) and walking out of the room. I mean, the people who had been on his side would just be seething, you know, and. So it, it's that's how those folks feel at this point is look, you told me you're standing up for something and whether it's the rich players, whether it's people who just thought they were defending through their Facebook comments and their allegiance. I mean, I've had so many people tell me this week, yo, oh, I'm done with golf, you know, or 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 this was I told you this was gonna happen. And it all happened for nothing. It all happened because in my eyes now. Not because the PGA Tour folks were worried about where the money was coming from, but they were upset about where the money was going to, and they weren't part of it. And as soon as they were a big enough part of it, they
2: switched their sides on. That's really sad. You know, being out at the PGA Championship in Rochester last week and even watching other majors on television, it's palpable how much this live golf issue affected the image and popularity of certain golfers and created rivalries. And and you can just tell people had chosen sides and made certain uh, golfers into heroes and certain golfers into villains. How much of that do you think will continue and follow these players into their careers? Or or does this merger eventually merge us back to how we watch golf and view the players? It's a good
1: question. I I
2: think that we're going to see varying degrees.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know that Phil Mickelson ever completely rehabilitates his, you know, the legacy that he had. Um, he just has come across as as someone who's abrasive. And the fact that he knew what he was getting into and, and said so right in the beginning and essentially just said, well, I'm creating money opportunities and taking a big cash grab for myself. I don't I think that's irreparable. You know, you get guys like Brooks Kepka and others who. Uh, we're still among the most likable in the room, even after they live for left for live golf, you know, Brooks, you know, his PGA championship notwithstanding was still one of the better players was one of the more popular guys. Um, I think that they will assimilate if they want to, if that's the way this whole thing works out. Remember, none of this has been decided. Essentially, from what I've been told was the story was starting to leak out and they didn't want to have this leak out during the week of the U.S. Open. So they got in front of it. And that's why it was done so haphazardly. This was not planned to happen at this time, this timeline right now. But with the U.S. Open next week, they thought that this might come out and it would have just drawn a lot of attention. Um, But. If that is the route that they decide, hey, look, a guy like Brooks Kepko, who I think is pining to get back in the PGA Tour. I think he made a quick decision, a rash decision when he thought he was injured. He didn't think he had a lot of paydays in front of him any longer. I don't think he's one of these guys who thought it through. Um, A guy like that's going to be welcomed back, I think, pretty quickly. Now, the fills of the world maybe even you know a couple others pat perez is one and i know tim since you're not a, a, a huge golf wonk but pat perez is this guy who is such a fringe player and and badmouth live at first and then as soon as they put a 40 million dollar offer in front of him he turned and said i love live golf and you know you just go what a phony obviously um I don't know if guys like that will be welcomed back as quickly. So I think there will be varying levels of this. I will say this, man, I, it won't take long if they, if if the people at the top have figured a lot of this out quickly. I think that the more popular players, the Dustin Johnsons, the Brooks Kepka, they'll be able to do what they want sooner than later. I don't think it'll take too long. I don't say that with a lot of inside knowledge, but I'd be surprised knowing how revered they are
0: within the game if they weren't welcomed back pretty quickly tiger woods is bigger than golf um and obviously uh, things might be different if tiger woods were still the economic engine that he was 15 10 years ago even five years ago but with the slowing of that tiger woods economic engine uh covid and pga having to draw on some reserves and it's been in a weakened state um do you think things would be different uh, if Tiger Woods were still the force that he was in terms of this merger? Uh, because could the PGA then say, we have our core and his name is Tiger Woods and we don't need Live." but now it's 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 shifted a bit? No, personally, I don't. And I'll tell you why. Um, Tim,
1: you're in an industry, you're in a, in a medium right now that still is asking for Clicks and page views, and you know what resonates. You have to look at metrics, and I can tell you from our end, if we publish a Tiger Woods story, a Tiger Woods son story, it's the number one thing on our website almost any day of the week. So he, he still has that cachet, and he is still even the few tournaments that he shows up at. His name brand is so big that it still helps the PGA Tour in multiple ways. The fact that he stuck with them was helpful, but here's the kicker: is golf is healthier than it's ever been. COVID was great for golf. COVID, the manufacturers can't keep stuff in stock. Um, uh, when you look at resort properties across the country, abandoned dunes and some of these big resort properties, you can't even get in for this year and most of next year. They're booked up solid. Golf is is going through a huge boon right now and it's because of COVID and because of a couple of other things, but largely because of COVID and the social distancing kind of got people back into the game. Some other things have, have you know, helped with it as well. If they couldn't handle that at this time, this really just comes down to the fact that the, the seemingly bottomless pit that the Saudis could draw from financially was eventually going to win. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. doesn't matter what players they had in this pipeline. The PGA Tour has been funded through a, you know, a normal business model of bringing sponsorships in, bringing television revenue in, bringing gate receipts in, putting those all together and figuring out what the percentages that they can pay players and still get by and make things, make money for everybody. And the Saudis came in with a, you know, bottomless pit and said, it doesn't matter what it's going to take. We're going to add more and more and more and more and more money. I don't think any time era, any time period would have mattered on that. I don't care if it was Jack and Arnie. I don't care if it was Tiger and Phil. It really was about the financial component of this. Even at a time when it's, when it's successful, they, nobody can withstand that. If, if the Saudis decided to make an, an NFL 2 that was billions and billions and billions of dollars, eventually they would win that war because they have more money than the NFL does, which is even crazy to think about. But so it really just came down to the money. Didn't matter who the players were.
2: Was there any way that this live controversy and the curiosity surrounding it kind of helped golf as an entertainment product because it put it on the front page of the paper and, and, you know, national news and the a block and things like that, that, you know, any publicity is good publicity. And even if this was maybe a negative storyline, it seemed to make golf feel like a bigger deal when it was a, a buzzing the way it was at certain points in the last couple of years. Well,
1: let's go back to the metrics. I mean, Tuesday was the biggest day in golf week history by, by far, by like, because of the percent, state rankings. Yeah, I know. Damn it. It was supposed to be the rankings. And then instead it's these, uh this damn live merger, but yeah, I mean, and, and let's go a step further. It's controversy. And as uh, Harry Higgs, who's a, one of those borderline players uh, that I talked about before, and just a great interview, as he told me once, probably six months ago, the biggest problem with the PGA tour right now this is pre-merger was that live golf took all the assholes i mean and really at the end of the day that you know look we, we we hate bill belichick but nobody misses the patriots bills game you know what i mean when they're playing um seattle on a thursday and uh, well, yeah, of course we're going to watch, but we're not We're not having the same watch party. I mean, the fact that there was so much animosity toward these players, Phil, and, and then to see them come back and play in the Masters against the PGA Tour players, this has been a huge success for golf all the way around. Really, it has. It's drawn eyeballs. I mean, I get text messages from people who never cared about golf before asking me about Live. And now the problem with that was, I don't know that the Live Golf Golf component matter, and and I could tell you again from metrics, we would write stories about the winner of the live golf tournament, and it did twenty seven people and crickets, and I could have tweeted pictures of my dog, it wouldn't have mattered. Nobody was gonna, nobody was gonna like that that story. But so that was the problem. Is long term, the long term viability of the actual product, I don't know about, but the but the ramping up of the hatred and the the sides in this, and again, remember, it's a, it, golf's such an odd sport that. You're an individual. There's no team aspect to it. It's hard to hate against people just for the sake of hating against them. Usually, you find someone you like. I mean, I live here in Texas. Jordan Spieth has probably become my go-to to follow, and to, he's just a charismatic guy. But that doesn't mean I want him to go out and hit someone over the head with his driver when if they're tied on the 18th hole. It's a very different feel. So the fact that all of a sudden it added that animosity to the whole game been a huge boon for golf it's helped on multiple levels and like i said our numbers not just tuesday but over the
0: last year have been the biggest we've ever had do you have any guesses or predictions or wants or what you would hate to see happen as these merge together from a competitive standpoint and you're talking about the world rankings uh 54 holes versus 72 the team aspect of it what in i guess now dream scenario everything's on the table because we don't know what would your fantasy land be as this moves forward and they, they try to figure this out? I'll give you my nightmare situation. And to be honest, I think it's very feasible.
1: Um, the way that the the framework of what we're hearing about this new merger is that the Saudis will be the head of the board of directors and that the PGA tour CEO Jay Monahan will be the CEO underneath them. Um, and that appears to offer balance, right? That appears to show, hey, look, even though Monaghan will probably be beholden to the board, which is now being run by the Saudis, that at least he's, he's that one figure in there. Man, I'm telling you, Jay Monaghan has lost the room in a lot of ways. There are a lot of angry players. And if at some point he takes some kind of parachute and gets out of this, and the Saudis now take a person that they want and put it in that CEO position to go with their, their running the board of directors, you now have essentially turned the entire golf world over to Gulf Saudi. In, in a matter of weeks and months, this whole thing has changed. Now we're talking about major tournaments being constructed or created in Riyadh instead of, you know, the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. Um, it's not that far-fetched. It really isn't that far-fetched to think that this kind of thing could happen. I hope it doesn't. I hope that we keep some semblance to what we have right now, but the framework has set up poorly for oversight of this organization in the future from what we're hearing originally. Now, if it's up to me in terms of the actual week to week, look, I don't mind the live golf events the way they are. Some team aspects, the PGA tour having what it has right now, be fun to have some crossover events. Um, I don't think anybody would hate seeing six live players versus six PGA Tour players at some point. When you talk about storylines, galore. But I think that the key for me is the infrastructure to the whole thing, which right now I don't think they have set up very well. This isn't, again, the NFL where you've got Roger Goodell and you've got multiple – look, Jerry Jones can't run roughshod over the NFL because there are too many checks and balances in place. And they've eliminated a lot of that with this new framework if it stays the way that they have it right now.
2: That's kind of scary. Do you see any potential in another sport for the Saudis or maybe even another government or another foreign entity to come in? The Saudis are already doing it with, I think, boxing and our old friend Amir Abdallah is involved in that and professional wrestling, that they're involved with that. But beyond those two sports, do you see – and UFC, I think they're also involved. with. do you see a sport that's vulnerable to a type of live disruption that, like it happened with golf? Well, they –
1: purchased newcastle united and newcastle united soccer team went from one of the champions league or from the championship which is like you know the ahl just a few years ago to finishing third or fourth in the premier league this year because a huge influx of cash came in and so what's to keep them from buying the buffalo bills or the whomever and especially like baseball let's say baseball a baseball team where a salary cap is in place but they could just pay a penalty on top of things but have limitless money man i mean now all of a sudden you could buy a franchise throw as much money as you want at something and all of a sudden reverse their fortunes um I, i don't think there's a limit to this now i know there's a limit to the fund uh you know it's it's billions and billions but there is a limit. And from what I've read on multiple layers, even though they're throwing money around like crazy, that they really are very focused on getting a return eventually for some dollars. So, so I don't think that, they're, that the Saudis are just going to throw money at anything and everything just to do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is a precursor to other things, if this is uh, you know, anyone that's vulnerable in the future in terms of sports leagues or sports franchises. All of a sudden, you know, the Saudis stepping in and saying, we'll take care of this. And not only that, but we're going to build the biggest training center. We're going to build, pay the most for the most respected coaches, and we'll do whatever else it takes. So it opens
0: doors to a lot of
1: crazy things, for sure.
0: Tim, what about the Department of Justice uh, and their potential involvement or uh, in checking into this a little bit more? Their PGA Tour was already under... Uh, uh, scrutiny from the Department of Justice, Uh, the argument being, at least from the PGA side, is if we weren't antitrust in 2019, then we shouldn't be antitrust now, uh, because really what's different, we just partnered up with somebody else that's out there, whereas Liv has spent the last couple of years uh, declaring how badly uh, the PGA was uh, violating uh, antitrust laws. So now everybody's going to get along. So do we have a Gojo Waystar Roycroft uh, situation here where uh, maybe the Department of Justice can come in and clean this up or at least make it go away? It's possible. It's certainly possible.
1: It again shows you how hypocritical, not just the PGA tour has been, but how hypocritical live golf has been because they've insisted that this was antitrust should, you know, invoked and this and that and all of a sudden they want to be part of a bigger stronger entity so they didn't really want it to worry about antitrust they just weren't the bigger of the two dogs at the time so yes I, do i think that could happen absolutely i think it will be very interesting to see how it plays out with the doj and other things i will also tell you that with as much money is at stake and being pumped through this who i mean do i have faith that the process will Will be upheld. I don't know, man. You're talking about, you're talking about a, uh, you're talking about a guy in Jay Monahan who told us six weeks ago that the the PGA Tour was about, you know, honesty and and legacy. And six weeks later, is telling us he can't wait to reach across the aisle and partner with this guy. I, I just don't know if there's not so much money
0: involved in this that I, I don't have faith in the process. Let's just put it that way. From a media standpoint, in your role, especially as managing editor of Golf Week, let's maybe take a little uh, analysis of how this rolled out. or What what could they have done to make this not seem like such a disaster on Tuesday where everybody was just shook? Uh, Is there a way they could have revealed this and had it be more palatable?
1: It's an interesting question. I think the hardest part is – seeing softening of players or changes in stances would have tipped all of us off. If this was something that they rolled out over time, slowly um, our lead columnist is a guy named Eamon Lynch. He is a brilliant writer, by the way. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he's our writer. He is a really, really very talented writer has been, since the beginning, uh, writing columns about the Saudis and why this isn't a good idea and what's wrong with this. And very eloquently, um, you know, if if a guy like that would have been tipped off at the highest levels of golf, that anything was softening, he would have started digging into it, and writing about it. So I think that's where they were going with this. I don't think there was a solution in terms of being able to soft pedal into this and and make things run smoothly. I will tell you the way they did it was awful and I just feel it was circumstantial, but again, it really comes down to how do you believe anything that PGA tour officials now say when they have backtracked so quickly on, on a, uh, a belief system that they were selling us all off. It's going to be really difficult for people. And that's why I think if, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that Jay Monahan, the commissioner will get uh, kicked out at some point or, or, you know, take a golden parachute, but it wouldn't surprise me because this isn't the kind of thing you come back from when you have players in your organization, you know, angry, tweeting, saying things like Colin Morikawa saying, boy, I love finding out through Twitter that my organization, you know, just went through this change." This isn't some fly by night, you know, guy out at, the, at an outpost. This is a top 10 player in the world who found out about this on Twitter. It's going to be hard for them to come back from this, but but I don't know what they could have done. I, I don't know enough about the behind the scenes. I don't know enough about um, the finances a bit behind the whole thing. And, and it may be something where the tour was trying to keep up with live and spending money at a rate that they just couldn't maintain. And at some point, they were going to run out of money, and they knew it. And they had
0: to cut the best deal they could. And maybe they thought this was it. It'll be interesting to see if those players that you referred to theoretically, hypothetically, the the top you know the guy who's number 75 the guy who's number 110 uh if they get together uh and file a lawsuit of some kind because a comp- competition was just eliminated that was going to make them wealthier or i should say they were going to make have a chance to make more money when there's competition because the everything rose and things are now going to be capped in in a in probably in just kind of an economical way i mean there's there's no reason to have an arms race anymore. Um, right, those opportunities are going to evaporate like a mirage out in the Saudi desert.
1: And I hate to say this, it's in the future when anything happens, it's going to make people more reluctant to side with what they think is the right thing and qu- quicker to side with whatever financially is best for them. We had a top 50 player who talked to one of my writers this week and said, look, I'm comfortable financially, but I was offered 40 or $50 million to jump. And in the interim here, I've made two. And you know, while I'm comfortable, think about that. That's $48 million that I'll never be able to, to earn back. But, that's going to frustrate a lot of people for a long time and make them think twice in the future. And that's sad. Cause that's this golf has always been about integrity. I mean, that's what they've always taught us is that this game is a little different. You call your own penalties, you do your own things to make sure that you're doing this and playing this game correctly. And it just kind of changes it. It cheapens the whole process,
0: unfortunately. Tim, what do you think about your teams from back home? As uh, as somebody who watches from now hundreds of miles away in Austin, Texas, how do you feel about the Bills and the Sabers while we have you here on the on the podcast? Great question. Well, you know, in my time at the
1: at the Gazette, when I was really covering the Bills and you were around, Tim, it was just so difficult. It became it it wasn't fun. I I tell people this all the time. I just lost my zest for the Bills completely. Um, Being away actually we have an anchor bar that opened up about 4 miles from my house where 200 people go
0: and watch the good or bad it, what's that it's good well because yeah. you know how anchor bar is a is a divisive no. brand here in western new york right of course of course uh, you know what uh, what they did in the round rock uh anchor bar is
1: amazing they actually they put a lot of uh, 716 and then the local area code is 512 and there's there's pictures of Thurman Thomas and Ricky Williams and it's a whole thing where they have both Texas and Buffalo. The food is solid. The one thing I will tell you is because they can't get Kimmelwick rolls sent that will be fresh enough. They actually make them themselves so they have fresh beef on WEC which is better than their wings if you ask me. So anyway, it's great that the, that the Bills all of a sudden are, are that team that we remember back in the 90s and and uh, you know that, that made that, that turned things around for the whole city decades ago when I was a young kid. I mean, the, the, we're talking proud thing, really changed the attitude of families and people who were just beaten up by Bethlehem steel and other things. And to see that kind of happen again, and this time from afar and, and watch the joy and watch, you know, and, and to see Josh Allen be Josh Allen, which is something I never thought I'd say is I think we have probably the best player or singular player in the NFL. Um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's been it's been a point of pride instead of something where you were embarrassed to say you're from Buffalo, the Bills, yes, Chan Gailey is our coach, yes, you know, such and such is our quarterback. Um, so I think the Bills are have been something really incredible for the whole city. I think the Sabres, man, I hope they've turned a corner. That's my my team as a kid. That's that's the one, the franchise that I love, and to see what they've gone through for the last ten years. I mean, I'm not out to get Terry Pagula. I'm not out to get any specific person in the management, but that that's that's inexcusable. A, a, a city that has as much passion as Buffalo around hockey to get to a point where four thousand people are going out to the arena on you know Friday nights and and. It's it's embarrassing, and I hope we're at that point. We've had enough high draft choices that hopefully this thing's turned around. But I, I it's kind of like the uh the PGA tour now. You're going to have to prove it to me, man. This is the sixth year in a row. I thought, yeah, next year they're really going to be there for a playoff spot. And once again, here we are, end of the year, talking about everybody else in the playoffs and not us. And the Florida Panthers go from eighth to you know Stanley Cup finals, and the. <laughs> vegas gold knights go from not a franchise when i moved to austin and here they are in two stanley cup finals it's
2: frustrating it's frustrating to watch it was about, uh oh go ahead jonah i was to say how about the buffalo bandits did that championship run uh any tremors down in texas for you guys and, and expatriate buffalo sports fans paying attention to that no
1: <laughs> no, not a single one. But I will say this, it was fun for me to watch. You know, the difference is I moved to Arizona in my 20s, then moved home for a long time. And now to move out to Texas and be able to watch everything is amazing. I mean, you know, Jonah and I chat back and forth and I'll be watching, you know, Niagara women's basketball on ESPN Plus, And he's like, you know, I'm not watching Niagara women's basketball. So, so that's fun, is that I watched every bandits game the whole year long. I texted buddies who were at the game and it was a great run. Last time they won it, I was on the field covering it for you know, down at the at the arena covering it for the Niagara Gazette. So that was that was fun. And and hopefully that's a precursor to the Sabres turning it around. It seems like cities go in cycles, right? I mean, what's happening in South Florida, what's happening in Colorado. Buffalo's had those kind of rises and falls as well. And let's hope that that's another piece of this. Um, and by the way, bandits were just a fun team to watch throughout. And the fact that we, I still say we, even I live here, put that many people into a, an arena to watch professional lacrosse on a weekly basis is just so, it, it's an incredible fact. And when I tell people that here, they, they almost can't believe that. Wait a minute, they, it seats 18,000 and it was sold out or close? And I'm like, yeah, for the... Local for the national lacrosse league team. Hey, going back to golf for one second, Tim. I have one other quick story. Um, when I was the sports editor at the Niagara Gazette, I, uh, I we were in our office in Niagara Falls, downtown Niagara Falls, and of course the big golf tournament is the uh, the Porter Cup up in uh, Niagara Falls Country Club. And I typically did a lot of this. jay Kurski, all of our mutual friend, also did a lot of coverage for us. But one day I sent Jonah, a young Jonah Bronstein out to cover the porter cup i said jonah i need you to get out there there's a big event going on and you need to get out there and so jonah left it's about i don't know what do you think
2: five miles
1: five miles from the gazette to the country club it's a good
2: estimate it might be closer but yeah it's close might be close and jonah
1: after about an hour i got a phone call from jonah and the call said um i said how are things going out there and he said well I'm not there yet. I accidentally went to Canada, and I can't get back in the country just yet. So I'm trying, but I'm not there.
2: That's my first golf story with Jonah Brunson. <laughs> you know this happens to people every day. If, if you don't get changed lanes at the right time on the Robert Moses Expressway, you get stuck, and the only thing you can do, because if you bust a U-turn, the customs are going to come chasing you and wonder why you're avoiding the border. So you have to go over the border and make that U-turn. They told me at customs. They're like, yeah, this happens all the time. And I just saw a press release. Uh, I'm lucky this didn't happen to me. Somebody just got arrested for driving a stolen car over the border because they actually <laughs> only got in that wrong lane. And I know of somebody else who got a DUI from getting stuck in that wrong lane and had nowhere to go and actually got arrested in Canada and then sent back to the U.S. And had they you know, made the correct turn and stayed in the correct lane, that never would have happened to them. So I think this is a Common occurrence for people. I did miss the first couple holes. I hope my story didn't reflect that. But uh, yeah, I was a little late for that assignment.
0: Imagine the guy with the DUI. Not only is he stuck in the lane, and this is irony, I guess. He has to go into Canada, and for the last time, he will never be allowed back into Canada. (laughs) Right, because of the laws up there. (laughs) Goodbye, poor poor bastard. Yeah, thanks for coming to Canada. Now we'll never see you again. Uh, (laughs) You know, you were talking there about uh, uh, you know Florida and uh in vegas and uh you know these teams that are gonna that seem closer to winning a championship than buffalo or, or may actually pull it off um this dawned on me a couple of days ago and uh i moved to buffalo it's closer to my native cleveland so that's that was a part of it but the major reason i moved from las vegas to buffalo was because buffalo is a major league sports town and i wanted to cover major league sports i wanted to cover the nfl um i didn't at the time necessarily want to cover the nhl but um if if that were going to happen then it would have been great and it turns out that's what did happen uh more than one university like you have unlv and that was it and so the reason being is that Vegas was never going to be a major league city. And that's not my guess. That was stated as fact by all four commissioners. The governor knew yeah. it. The mayor knew it. The newspapers knew it. The population knew it. Sports is never coming to Vegas because of the gambling aspect. And now here it is, 23 years later, this big league city that I moved to, no championships. And Vegas, the town I left, because it didn't even have it. It was it couldn't even be conceived, let alone was a team in the works. It wasn't even conceived, uh, is on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup.
1: And and adding an, uh, an MLB franchise and has one of the best new NFL fran- uh, stadiums. It's going to host Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, it's an incre- incredible facility.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Well... Uh, you're in Austin's is a fine town. It's a good spot.
1: It is a great spot. I love Buffalo. We come home. As a matter of fact, I was just telling you guys, we spend most of the summer at home. As a matter of fact, Jonah and Nate tell and I will be having a beer on a, a boat in North Tonawanda in probably three weeks or so. And it's it, summers in Buffalo are amazing, but uh, our time in Austin has been pretty special too. Going to a Texas Longhorns football game, as bad as they've been the whole time I've been here, is very much uh, – very has a very similar vibe to going to a Bills game in terms of the intensity and the people and the, the tailgating. So it's
0: made me feel like home for sure. I've seen the pictures on Facebook. They're impressive. And I've heard nothing but great <laughs> things about Austin as one of the great cities. I've never been, but – It really is. I
1: mean, it's it's a great spot. It really is. It, I will say it's getting a little big for its britches now. But, it, you know, it's it's, it's definitely – Going through some changes, it's, things have changed so quickly. So much money's been pumped in that a lot of things have have definitely
0: changed over even just the eight years I've been here. But you should come down, man. It's always a fun time. I had a friend who who LA. lived there, and one of her favorite one of my favorite lines that she said was, "Austin is so great, you almost feel like you're not even in Texas anymore." <laughs>
1: it is the uh, the blueberry and the tomato soup. That's what they call it <laughs> the blueberry and the bowl of tomato soup because it's it's definitely a a liberal vibe in a very conservative state. Tim, didn't you live out in Vegas for a little while? I did. I did. Before, before I was in Phoenix, I was there for about two months. That was a horrible story. That didn't last long. Uh, myself and uh, former UB assistant basketball coach Kevin Lake made it, uh, I think, about two months until he he hightailed it back to Buffalo with no money, and uh, and I moved down to
0: Arizona and stayed there for almost a decade. So, this brings the I conversation like, the way, full circle because he was former UB basketball coach on the same staff as Rock Eisenberg, the man who brought us together, Tim. Uh, if we met, if at, I'm not at,
1: mistaken, if I'm not mistaken,
0: Kevin Lake brought me to the Montrose that night that you first came there. I was driving. It was it was Reggie's first win. He fight yep. he won his first game as UB coach, and that was where the post game uh, party was. I think players were even there. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I sure, think because sure, the cool. owner used to put out a spread for the players because he liked having the, yeah. the, you know, he liked having that be like the team's unofficial spot. Um, I might have been there. You know,
2: that's where I used to drink in high school, and that's around the time I was graduating from high school, the year two thousand. Go Ken Maurice.
1: Um, I think that, uh, I think Rock got up on the bar and danced a little
0: that night, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. I can yeah, I can envision right. it whether it was that night or another one um i've googled I, I ran into him in the vegas airport one time he was coming in for an aau basketball tournament i didn't live there anymore well obviously i'd moved but it was just funny i ran into him i, I google him every now and then to see where he ended up and the, the the results uh there aren't as many of them as there used to be uh not but surprising. not surprising well, Tim, thanks for this. Anything else you want to mention? Uh, you want to give another plug for Rick Zurak? I, I noticed you drinking yeah. out of the Rick Zurak cup there for a little taste of, of Buffalo. Uh, I go to any-
1: the I, I go to the PGA show in Orlando every uh, – it's in January each year, and Rick Zurak is always there. He, he comes down from Buffalo for the winters. So he's given me these cups. And so, yes, I, I don't even know if his golf shop's open anymore. I think he may have
0: closed it. But let me ask you this, because I see the commercials around here. The golf ball company here in Western New York, uh, one, one Encore. core. Encore. Huh? Yeah. Encore, yeah. Encore. Yeah, that's right. Encore. Josh Allen is a spokesman, but they're obviously locally made commercials. How big is it in the industry?
1: Uh, it's growing. It's growing. Um I wouldn't say it's a major player by any means right now, but I will tell you this, there's not a ton of golf ball companies. So they're, they're getting a more significant market share. Um, I think they're making all the right moves. They're moving slowly and kind of building instead of going, you know, just making a crazy splash. Um, I will tell you that I, I have a full-time equipment guy. That's his job. And when he brings it up every time he'll say encore, and then he'll always say, Buffalo, New York, just like Tim. And and uh, so I think that they're, you know, I've heard their name and conversation consistently over the
2: course of the last year or so. And hopefully they become a bigger and better player in the future. How much does Josh Allen's sponsorship help that company? And and along the same lines, like Josh Allen was a a key figure in the PGA presentation for being a famous football player who's a golf fan. Like how much, how, how big of a golf personality has Josh Allen become?
1: yeah i mean a little a little i'll be honest when we do numbers on things like uh celebrity stories nfl crossover doesn't do huge for us even tom brady when he was playing in those matches it doesn't do a huge number for us so i think people enjoy it i think it's cool people like josh allen for sure he's a very likable guy um but like that story played much bigger in the Western New York market when he was out at the PGA championship than it did anywhere else. I mean, I think the fact that he and Bayheim got together for a little bit, that was kind of a cool thing, and people were talking a little about that. Um, the one with him and Vaughn Von Miller, I, you know, it, a blip nationally, where when those guys were talking football, or there's something before the, the, se- the season opener when they played uh, at the Rams, I mean – Miller and Allen were everywhere on national TV. So I, it's good. It's certainly not going to hurt them to have them tied to their brand, but I don't think it helps football players and golf are, eh, you know, it's nice. I don't think it's something that will build your company. Or anything like that. I think they're doing it right though. From what I've been told, they're, they're doing it right. They're, they're building slowly and it's a good product and that's the key. All it takes is a couple of players at the, at the pro level to make that change or to have them break through. A lot of times what you have to do at that level of uh, manufacturer is you sponsor a corn fairy tour player or someone at a lower level in college. And then they finally break through and you stick with them. And all of a sudden your ball becomes a little more accepted. Your clubs become a little more accepted. That's what they're hoping, I would think, is that some of the players, they've been a sponsor of the Porter Cup for a bunch of years. A lot of big names go through the Porter Cup that end up on the PGA Tour. So hopefully one of those things sticks for them. That's why playing
2: the long game makes more sense. Sounds like they need to hitch their way again to Elliot Skirsky. That's exactly it. By the way, is the smoke clear?
0: yeah yeah kind of well it's kind of a dreary day today so it's hard to tell but it still smells it smells like a campground outside still no fun no sorry Tim thank you for this uh I will be plugging uh your state rankings um relentlessly and uh (laughs) we'll see if we can get those numbers nudged up a little bit Appreciate it. Yes, that will be helpful.
1: Of course, if another another merger comes through, that would also
0: help my numbers, too. So, you know, (laughs) you can can help with that. I'm sorry. It would have been nice. Yeah, the numbers are the numbers. You had good numbers, but it would be nice to have those state rankings come out on Monday. You know, it would have. Well, Tim Schmidt, I want to uh, reaffirm uh, Tonawanda High School alum it throws me off all the Tanawanda's here all the time i know there's the kenton schools and the north tanawanda lumberjacks and tanawanda high just threw me off it sounded TNT. like it was fake or it went defunct game? or something what, what's tanawanda yeah. high's nickname you never covered
2: there? the tnt game
0: tanawanda nt oh that's oh that's right that's right i do know about that series that's true i guess it just i i'm not going to say what our name is since
1: it's a uh Native American name that I'm sure won't be the
0: name the next time they take the field. So I see. Well, it's been a week, and Tim Schmidt, very kind of you to uh, make some time and uh, try to explain what's been going on with the PGA and live and this, that, and the other. Um, please come back again soon. Anytime. Jonah, thank you. Anything you want to add here before we wrap up? Well, I think I got most
2: of my stuff in. I just nice to see Tim's guest bedroom still looking good. and He's, he's been here. i my straw hat there again when I'm making my way back.
0: Jonah's been here before. Guys, thanks for this. And thanks to everyone out there for listening to Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK CPAs and Business Consultants. CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara communities through volunteer work and donations, and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2022 to help keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400 and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you.